Thank you. I am excited to be here. I, I appreciate any time that a church uh, wants to bring me in to speak, to talk, to try to inspire people. And But you have to understand that you don't make that decision. There's a man uh, that usually makes that decision. He's known as the senior pastor. And so I think it's important, especially when I'm at any event or venue, that you give a special round of applause to the pastor who's risking his entire ministry today, <laughs> giving the pulpit to me. Many of you, if you're not used to stoning people, this might come into your place tonight. This might change your world, but I want to give your pastor applause for his warrior spirit in Indiana to defend reality, truth, Christian values, Christian worldview. That's crucially important. He needs that because clearly you're not tithing, so at least you can clap. <laughs> and I want you to give a round of applause to this amazing praise and worship band for setting the stage. I just have one question. How bad does your drummer have to be that you have to protect him in bulletproof glass? Only in Indiana do they have to worry about being hit by beer bottles when they're doing praise and worship. <laughs> Anyways, God bless him. God bless sax, but you don't get a lot of sax in praise and worship. I love that sound. Where's that guy? Where's sax guy? Yeah, well done. A little praise and worship, a little smooth jazz. How do you not dig that? I appreciate you guys being here. I appreciate coming to Indiana. I love Indiana for one reason that I have no control over. I was born here. It's the only state I get to say that. I'm a Hoosier just like you. Never bring that up. I don't know why. I guess it's because every time I've ever said, hey, I'm from Indiana, there's always some guy in the crowd going, Indiana, I'm from here too. <laughs> you know. And usually we're related. So um, try to keep it to myself. But I appreciate Indiana. I appreciate your conservative values. Appreciate your uh, traditional Christian and American values. For the most part, it's not completely true all throughout the state, as in none of the states. All states have their uh, particular left-leaning and right-leaning. We all know that. We're all very aware of what's happening uh, in America. But Indiana, to me, still has that raw uh, farmer, Pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. Let me tell you what I love about uh, Indiana. You all go to church. You still respect the church and that sacred duty. And you know what I love? Not only do you go to church, when you go, you're packing. So that to me is a whole... <laughs> whole different vibe, yeah. I should, that must make your altar calls a lot more effective, doesn't it? Well, you'd like to accept Jesus as your savior? I don't know, I would, I'd like to do that. I should have done it last week, but I panicked. Holy smoke. Because you have that vibe, do you? You're Indianans. You have that farm, you know, from the, from the dirt type of mentality. And that mentality, I might say, also translates into what was, uh, what was considered 
sort of the uh, foundational truths of America, that it had a very specific way that it was going to be formed if it was going to happen. You know, any nation that's ever existed uh, came about uh, with certain strife and difficulty. There's much, much, much older civilizations in the world than America. Every one of them have some really bad history to them and some good. Every one of them. So it's important that we don't forget that. It's important that we don't forget that nothing and nobody is perfect. So I'm going to ask you a question today because your pastor asked me if I would talk about a little bit today, CRT. Now, most of you should know what that is. I'm thinking you're in a church that probably does not shy away from these issues. If you don't know what it is, it's known in its full uh, moniker as critical race theory. Now, I want to make a very important point today for you guys, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. But I really decided that there's going to, I'm going to talk about something else even more so, and you'll see why in a minute. I want you to ask yourself a question. You're going to do a little self-introspection. When I said we're going to talk about CRT, and if you knew what that was, that immediately draws some conclusions. But then I say critical race theory, and it immediately makes you understand where we're going with this information. I want you to ask yourself a question. What did you feel when I just said the words? Disgust? Okay. Did anybody feel that it wasn't appropriate to be discussed in church? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not trying to call you out. I'm not trying to isolate you. I'm not trying to shame anybody. I don't want to do that. I don't need to do that. That's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is I want you to get used to the fact that something in your life motivates everything you do. Is that for me? Just tell them I'll be there in a second. <laughs> it's my Uber driver. Just a second. It's a rickshaw. She can't afford to drive a car yet. Uh, I want you to think about any situation, any philosophy, any ideology, any concept, any worldview that you're going to be confronted with in your life, how it makes you feel. Because the question I need to ask you today is why are you here? Why'd you come? Most people say they came because they wanted to go to church. That's what I do on Sundays. I go to church. Why? Why do you go to church? Well, I want to learn about Jesus. That's a good one. I want to learn about Jesus is why I go to church. Good. Why do you go? Oh, it's our tradition. It's what we do. Our church, you know, we've always gone to church. My grandparents taught me about Jesus. My parents, we go. 
other people, younger kids, why do you go to church? My parents make me go. They make me go. What is it? Like-minded people. Well, guess what? You can go join the Satan church. They've got like-minded people. You can. You can go join the Indiana Organization of Communists, and guess what you'll find? Like-minded people. You can go find the Rotary Club, Moose Lodge. And guess what you'll find? Like-minded people. You can go find critical race theorists, and you know what you'll find? Like-minded people. So the problem is not, do we attend places and congregate amongst people like ourselves? Of course you do. Who doesn't? The problem is, is your mind connected to something that actually is true? I don't care what you believe. I care why you believe it. Because if I can change your why, I can change your what. Now, some of you might be a little confused. Well, I don't understand what you're talking about. I mean, I, I, don't know, I, I guess I don't see where you're going with all this. Okay? I... Never in my life wanted to be in ministry. It was not my call. Not interested. I was born in a little town called Bremen, Indiana, just, just south of South Bend. You probably haven't heard of it. It's way up there, but it's part of Indiana. That's where I was born. But I was conceived in Germany. My dad uh, was in the army from Indiana and he was shipped to Germany. And my mom, who was a farm girl from up there, uh, she went to visit him. She's, I don't know, 20 years old, 19 years old, late 50s, never been out of the state or not far. Flying to Germany! To meet my dad. I don't remember why. She did. And apparently my parents couldn't find anything interesting to do in Germany. <laughs> what with the Bavarian Alps getting in the way of the view. And so in my, her little getaway, my parents took the time to make me. When my mom found out she was pregnant, and like I said, even though I'm from Indiana and I am an American, theoretically, I'm German. So it's why when I was young I would only eat strained bratwurst. 
that I was weaned on polka music. <laughs> and as I look around at you people, it's clear to me you're inferior. <laughs> but That's right, I just did a Nazi joke in church. <laughs> These ridiculous Germans, huh? Make good cars, make good rockets, smart people, don't have a real good track record with human rights. Have we noticed that? What is it with these lunatics? But when my mom found out she was pregnant, my mom did an evil thing. She prayed to God and she said these words, Lord, if you will give me a son, I promise to dedicate the rest of his life to your service. Without consulting me, <laughs> without confiding in me or getting my opinion, my autonomy, my free agency, she simply dedicated my life, my preborn life, to God Almighty. And let me explain something to you. When you dedicate your child's life to God's servant for the rest of your life, God takes you serious. It's like being made in the mafia. God uses you, and then he kills you. <laughs> Little did I know that I would one day become a professional comedian. I didn't know. How would you know when you're a young kid? You don't know what you're going to be. You just have dreams and aspirations. I thought I'd maybe be a... Uh, an actor, and I've actually been in a lot of films. I actually thought I'd be a magician. I learned sleight of hand, and I was a professional magician years ago before I did comedy. Uh, I've written a couple books. I did a lot of things that I thought might be of interest to me. I always loved the performing arts. I was always interested in the arts. But I didn't know comedy was going to be in that game. I didn't know that. I didn't shoot for that. didn't subscribe to that. It just sort of organically happened, because that's how I performed when I did my, my magic tricks. I just was sort of funny, naturally, and then I got into comedy clubs, and then I realized, hey, I want to be, see if I can compete at the highest levels of comedy with the best people, because I was in nightclubs. Do you hear me? Nightclubs. I was a Christian. Didn't use I didn't use uh, curse words, or I didn't use gratuitous sexual references, because I believed that Creativity was funnier than crude, and I wanted to prove it at the highest place of art, which is comedy clubs. If you can't compete there, you're not a comic. That's the way I look at it. You see, I come from a history of Christianity which used to not only uh, engage the arts, but they were actually would pay for artists to make little things like the Sistine Chapel. The Pieta, the Last Supper. That's what Christians used to leave culture. And somewhere down the line, Christians got the idea that the culture was wicked, filled with sinners. 
And our jobs as Christ followers, whose only purpose, once we find the living God, is to become a regenerate spirit, have access to the creator of the universe, thus being able to help other people hear the truth so they can find their way to freedom the way we did. And they decide that the best way to do that is to isolate yourself and flee the sinners. Leave the arts to Satan. And now... Guess who controls them? Leave the secular to the secular. Leave the school boards to whomever chooses to jump in. And guess what you got now? Leave the academic structure that was created initially by Christians who started the universities. Every university in uh, the United States was started by a, was, was a Christian seminary to start train Christians. All of them, except for University of Pennsylvania, but that dealt with Christianity. They all believed that this was a truth that needed to be spoken to the world. So I just decided that I wanted to see if I could compete at the highest levels without compromising my faith. I didn't curse. I didn't do the sex joke. Didn't do it. Didn't need to. Because to me, the challenge was to, to find the difference between compromise and strategize. Don't compromise my faith, but I strategically found the best way to use it in a secular environment. So I said to you, why are you here today? And then I'd say to you, um, how many are Christians here today? And probably you'd all raise your hands. Go to a Christian church, learn Christian teachings from a Christian pastor. Must be a Christian. Is Christianity a title? Or is more expected? The reason you're supposed to come to church is to be with like-minded folks. You can be inspired by God's word, his ways, to be understanding of what it means to be a believer for one reason, so that you leave this place and change the culture. That's what this church is for. It's what every church is supposed to be for. Right. So, so, this is important. I brought up critical race theory, and some of you, I don't know who it is, maybe, and again, you're, you're in a very different church, a rare church, a pastor who stands up for particular values and principles that you don't see a lot in church. So you might be different in some of your, and God bless you. I'm glad that there's some warrior churches out there. But some of you might felt a little uncomfortable because you knew that critical race theory is controversial and or political and that shouldn't be talked about in church we shouldn't speak about that in church you know what should be spoken about in church 
Everything. Every stinking thing that affects the culture that you are responsible for should be run through the prism and the filter of your church. Everything. So here's what I say to some of you. When I was called to come to the churches by God Almighty as uh, in ministry, you know what he told me? It's ridiculous. He said, you're going to be a prophet to the church. I'm not an evangelist. I'm sorry, if you came here today to get saved, you're in for a bad, bad day. That's not my call. Now, you could say every Christian's call is to speak the word and hope that God will move through the Holy Spirit and bring them to salvation. Of course, we all sort of have that evangelistic uh, premise that's supposed to drive us. Of course, that's supposed to be part of how it works. Of course. But there are pastors and teachers and prophets. There's different people with certain specific gifts. Mine is to talk to people who say they're Christians and say some of you here today aren't. That should please you. Because if you aren't, wouldn't you like to know? Wouldn't that be a positive insight? Wouldn't it be good to be educated in the fact that if you died today, you're going to hell? Maybe, just throwing it out, you won't avoid that. Well, we don't believe that. We believe once saved, always saved. Do you? Once saved, always saved? Hmm. I see. Any branch does, that, does not bear fruit, I cut it off. And the most frightening of all, many will come to me in that day. This is once you've moved on from this three-dimensional realm into the perfect eternal realm and say, did we not do so much in your name? We healed people in your name and we fed people in your name. We used the name of Christ to do these wonderful things. And he said, um, yeah, you did use my name and you had no right to it. How dare you use my name when you're not my child? I don't get to use your name to get some insight or get some special privileges if I'm not related to you. It's fraud. That's what he's saying to you. You don't get to use the principles of Christianity and ignore the discipline and the sacrifice and the repentance that's demanded to become mine. Don't kid yourself. It's the worst thing you can do. The worst thing you can do is not to be uneducated. That's no problem. That's great to be uneducated because you can get educated and fix it. The problem 
is to blind yourself because you're uncomfortable having to deal with the fact that a true Christian says to anyone listening, the only way you can know eternal life is Jesus. That is intolerant. It's bigoted. A bigot is someone who does not give access to somebody who thinks differently or acts differently, and they say, I'm not going to accept any idea or concept that comes from you. I have a bigotry towards that. It could be because you're a woman. It could be because you're black. It could be because you're Catholic. Whatever the bigotry is, you choose a category. You put the person there and say, this category, I don't want anything to do with. That's bigotry. It's immoral. It's not God. But every one of you is a bigot, and so am I. Because just because I don't allow certain ideas to enter into my sphere of influence doesn't mean that the ideas that I am trying to fend off are worthy and deserve attention. I'm bigoted against Nazis. I have no problem saying I'm bigoted against cultural Marxism. I despise it because it's cancer. The Frankfurt School in the 20s was intellectuals in Germany who were Marxists. Marxist was an atheist. Marx was an atheist who believed that every single conflict humans have is simply having to do with owners of industry and the workers. You were oppressed or you were the oppressor. It was all conflict. That's what made the world work. There were the haves and the have-nots. There were those who had power and those who did not. Now, why must we speak of these things in church? Because Christianity claims to be the arbiter of truth. It says that I have the actual immutable truth that will never change. When you read your Bible, if you're wise, if you're smart, if you're close to Christ, you will understand that he's not just saying, here's my theological uh, script of information that you can use to maybe be inspired, find a good verse, and hang it up on a plaque. He's saying, this is the rule book for how... The world works. Do you want to know what's really going on in the world? This book tells you. Tells you how we got here. Tells you how we were created. Tells us why there's evil. We failed to listen to God's ideas and we rebelled. How do we fix it? God said, I will become like you. I will live perfect and I will allow myself to be sacrificed so that you now have pure justice. You were innocent. I judge that. Now God can be consistent with his character and say, the judgment has been made. Accept this key, and you can go in. I will see through the prism of the blood of Christ. You are still a sinner. I'll never see it again because I'm looking through my son. Now that's amazing. And to accept that idea, though, means that you don't 
accept other religions or philosophies or ideas as equal. Why? Because you're a bigot? No. Because you're intolerant? No. Because you're hateful? No. Because if I don't give you the truth, you're going to hell. Now, you don't have to believe me. But my job isn't to feel comfortable or make you feel comfortable. My job is to give you truth. And if you're feeling uncomfortable by speaking truth, that's good. The truth is supposed to offend you. That's how you know you don't have it. It's supposed to offend. It's supposed to cause shame. It's supposed to cause self-introspection. So you can get true north, get home. If I speak truth to you, that's all I'm obligated to do. Matter of fact, there's a point where God says, if they won't listen, don't throw pearls before swine. Brush the dust off your feet. You tried. Leave them alone. They made their call. The great, the great horror of hell is spending eternity realizing you chose it. Not that you were thrown there. God doesn't throw anybody to hell. You choose. You're already going to hell. He just gave you a key to get out, and you said, I don't want it. You don't get to blame God. That's the truth. Critical race theory is an offshoot of the Frankfurt School, which was Marxist. They realized that the proletariat, which is the people, the workers, and the bourgeoisie, those who own the factories, weren't in conflict. They thought that all the workers would rise up and say, this isn't fair that you own and get more than I do, so I'm going to rise up and we're going to take over the factories and we're going to all be equal. And they didn't do that because he didn't know there'd be a middle class. He didn't know that would exist. For most of human history, by the way, there was just poor people in misery and the monarchs and the royalty that had everything. There was nobody in between. It was a hard, hellish world to try to survive as a peasant or in a village. And suddenly capitalism comes in and realizes that you can actually achieve things and have access to things because we're going to give you a free market. We're going to let the people choose. And you're going to look around and say, you know what? They need some eggs over there. I'm going to go find some eggs. I'm going to sell them to so-and-so. And then he's going to trade me this and that. And suddenly people were working together in community on their own desire, not communism where it's forced on you. Human agency, people taking their own autonomy to make their own choices, chose to work together in harmony because God said that is Christian. You're allowed to try to make the most out of what I've given you. When God Almighty gave Adam and Eve the garden, he didn't say Bill, put up a hammock and relax and I'll have some birds fly some grapes over to you to eat. Before sin entered the world, God created it all and said, now get to work. You got some tending to the garden to do. Work 
was always horrible and difficult and just to help you exist for most of history. And Christianity comes around and says that work is noble. Work is sacred. You can honor God. Sometimes the best witness you can be at work is to be the best worker there. Who is this guy? Comes in first, leaves last, works twice as hard. Everybody's going to resent you. Why? Because most people are lazy. Most people want to make excuses for why they fail. Critical race theory is an insult to every African brought to this nation as slaves. It's an insult to these people. Because it says that they are trapped in the color of their skin, that there's oppressors and oppressed, and you can't get out. How demeaning and childish to speak to a human being that way. Here's what I want you to understand. You must understand Christianity is true. That's your basis of all foundations. Then you gauge everything from that concept. Okay? Everything has to come through the filter of Christianity. You know why? Because it's true. It's the rules. If somebody says to you, I don't have time to go through the entire thing of critical race, it's a long deal. I'm trying to give you some information to get you started, get you started on the path, okay? Every time somebody says that you are oppressing us or that we need to teach the true history of America, and if you don't allow that, then you are, you are hiding reality and truth from the kids. Forget that statement. They are making a moral claim. It is immoral to withhold information that people need so they can evaluate what actually happened in this nation. They're making a moral claim. You, just, you don't worry about the claim. Go to them and say, where do you justify your morals? Where does your morals come from? Because what they don't know is, they're in the West. Their morals come from the Judeo-Christian ethic of how the world works, and they don't even know it. They hate Christianity because it holds them accountable to their sin, holds them accountable to their behavior, holds them accountable to the fact that they don't want to have to do anything, give anything. They just want things given to them. They don't want that. And they certainly don't want God Almighty to be the one that controls you, not when they can let the state do the job for him. The state is God. Make this very, very clear. When you are in battle with a leftist the, uh, ideology, you're not dealing with a philosophy. You're dealing with a religion, a false religion based on atheistic communism and Marxism, based on the idea that everybody that has more than you stole it. Oh, that's covetousness. It's a breaking of the Tenth Commandment. Well, America had slaves. They sure did. Stop there and say, so are you saying it's immoral to have slaves? Yes. Okay, show me the country that didn't have it. 
Well, no, they've all had them, but you're the worst of them. I don't understand your concept. Well, it's immoral to have slaves. I agree. The commandments speak it's illegal to steal. Thou shalt not steal. Stealing is taking another human being's rights and dignity and giving it and, and, and oppressing them. That's a true statement. The Bible, thousands of years ago, while every culture on earth had slaves because it was expected, it's how the world worked, thousands of years ago said it's immoral to have a slave. What the, I thought the Bible talked about do this to the slave and do that to the slave. For the most part, biblical slavery was indentured servitude. People that said, I'm in debt, I will work as a slave to pay off my debt. That's how most of it was. Or I can't uh, afford to eat. I'll bring my family into this situation as a slave. I'll work for you, but I'll eat and I'll have a roof over my head. Because there was no middle class. There was no options. Does that mean there wasn't evil slavery? Stolen slavery? People that didn't want... Yes! That was immoral. Now ask this question. What's more immoral? Buying a slave or selling one? Which is more immoral? They're equal. Every European white slave trader that went to sub-Saharan Africa to find their slaves couldn't just walk into Africa and get them. You think these people were idiots? You think these Africans weren't, didn't know how to defend themselves? You don't think a white guy walking through Africa would be a little obvious? You think he's going to blend? You think the diseases that he wasn't prepared for is going to survive? No, he wouldn't have made it. Well, then where did they come from? Roots taught me that all the white guys went in and stole all these villages of black guys and took them out. That wasn't true. Black Tribes conquered other black tribes, took their bounty, and sold them. That's, you want the true history of life? True history of America? Let's go a little bit further. Does that make the plight of an African coming to the United States as a slave any less worse? No, it was horrible. It was immoral. Of course, 330,000 Africans were brought to these, this country without wanting to be here. 1.7 million were taken to Brazil. Anybody hearing about the Brazil getting reparations? Huh? Do you know that more people from Africa have chosen to immigrate to the United States of America on their own than were ever brought as slaves? If this is such an evil, horrible nation of racists, why would black people choose to come? Oh, and by the way, they get here, and within a generation, they're some of the most successful people in the country. You know why? Because they haven't lived under slave mentality, oppressive mentality, Marxist mentality that demeans these people. Don't you understand, my friends? Don't you understand what we can learn from that experience in America? These were people that 200 and something years ago were brought from their country. They didn't speak the language. They were not allowed to learn. They were not allowed to, to read. They were not allowed to engage in their own free autonomy. They were not allowed to uh, 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 create their business. They weren't allowed to vote or anything. It was a miserable, horrible situation. Within 200 years, these people 
in the worst case scenario, became senators, congressmen, leaders of industry, billionaires, dominance in athletics, presidents of the United States. That should be a celebration of the human spirit and what people can overcome when they don't believe they're victims, but in fact, find the American dream even in the worst case scenario. That's America. They're stealing the accomplishment and infantilizing Africans in America by putting them back into shackles, by saying you can't survive. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. It should be bitterly despised by Africans in uh, African-Americans in the U.S. And by the way, I rarely call them African-Americans. I just call them Americans. I just say it so I can differentiate this. Critical race theory comes from critical theory. Critical theory was in the Frankfurt School. Think of the term critical, critical race theory. What is critical? Critical is negative. Critical is constantly criticizing the West, criticizing everything that is the foundational principles that made this nation great, made the West great. Now, if you think that I'm being overdramatic, do you know that they now say that logic is racist? Mathematics is racist. Hard work is racist. Showing up on time is racist. Why would people turn just what we always considered hard, prudent, virtuous lifestyles into racism? Because some people find it's a lot easier to extort money from people than it is to actually have to conform and grow up and discipline yourself. And by the way, get married to that woman and stay in that family. That's a Christian idea, despised by the left and by critical race theory because it holds the individual responsible, not the group. And it's easier to per turn people into a group Easier to get money that way, easier to manipulate that way, easier to let people that don't want to get off of the government dole just stay stuck there. There is nothing more slave-like than being stuck on welfare three generations in. You can't get out because you've not been taught you're better than this. Now, here's the important part. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am truth, immutable truth. I exist, truth exists, whether you like it or not. All truth that you see without the world derives from Christ. He said, Satan is the father of lies. So, believe it or not, this is going to be hard for you to grasp. Your enemy isn't Democrats. Nah. <laughs> Your enemy isn't Republicans. Your enemy isn't the left. And it's not the right. And it's not Christians. And it's not atheists. Your enemy is lies. 
lies show up in the form of ideologies, philosophies, political concepts. We have discovered and seen in America constant lies being perpetrated, evil and stealing of votes, elections, opportunities, and no one is held accountable. Thus, there's no reason to stop. But I, one thing I do want you to know and understand, why a lie works is because usually there's a little thread of truth in there to suck you in. So when they say, you know, people that do, who have an, a problem with critical race theory, don't want to teach the true history of America, that's the term you'll hear. Say, well, which history are you, do you, are you talking about that we don't want to talk about? Slavery? Everybody here has heard of slavery. How do we know it? We were taught it in school. Everybody here knows Brown versus the Board of Education because we were taught it in school. Everybody here knows the Civil War and how the South was going to dis, dis, uh, disseminate from the Union because they didn't want the federal government to tell them how to maintain their livelihood. Where did we know that? From school. So it's not that we're not taught some of these things. Critical race theory isn't trying to just teach us things we've already been taught. It's trying to teach you that there is systemic racism in America. Systemic meaning it's in the system. Every single thing that's done is done with a racist intent for white people to remain in power. That's what it's teaching. And so, what you are taught, one of the critical race theorists says that the only way that you can fix past racism is to do racism now. The only way that you can heal past injustice is to be unjust now. This is from the words of those who espouse it. Now, again, if you don't have any religious beliefs or something, jump on in that philosophy. I get it. That makes sense. My ancestors got messed up. They stole his land. They stole his. That wasn't fair. We didn't get the chance to have the educational system that they did, so we got a little bit behind everybody else. It's harder for us to get beyond. I, all of that has pieces of truth. You do need to be, as a white guy, more aware of, look, when we think of the 4th of July, we think of people that came here and fought a na the strongest nation on earth to maintain our dignity and our freedom and our justice. It's a beautiful thing. Black people don't get that history. They're going, that's not how old we, I got here. Doesn't mean they can't be patriotic, can't mean, can't mean they can't come in and be part of it and say, I'm going to bring the best of what I have and participate. I came in on a different journey, but I still respect this nation. It's still better than Africa, which has slaves today. India has slaves right this second. Pakistan, my church in, 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 in Nashville, Every Sunday, we buy brick-kiln slaves out of Pakistan. They're in debt. They go to the brick-kiln, 
to, pay, to borrow the money, and then they have to work as slaves to pay it off. They never can pay it off, of course, because there's always some other loan or interest. They can never get up. They literally, and then their kids have to follow suit, and they are slaves. Today, we buy them out. We have pictures. There's a family that was a slave yesterday, and they're free today. Now, all I'm getting at is this. Because i got to wrap it up. I wish I had more time. Because what I really want Christians to get the most is your religion is true. You found the truth. Okay? You have to tell people that's your job. Go into all the world, make disciples, everybody. You have to dis discipline yourself to do Christian ideas because it's hard. That's where we get the word disciple. You are disciplined to live like a Christian, not talk about it. We don't need any more people in America talking about Jesus. We need every Christian to actually be Jesus. Amen. That will change people's lives. hardest part that we are not used to in America because we were founded by Christians. The pilgrims were believers who came to get away from religious persecution in England. Created the Mayflower Compact that stated if you're going to get off this ship and get onto this land, you've got to say this is for Jesus. And most of the people on that ship weren't Christians. They were sailors that were just getting them there. And we dedicated this nation to Christian principles. And, and I believe God blessed us for that. Yeah. I believe he said, okay, you want to follow and honor me, here's what you get. Those days are gone. Every Christian, for the most part, throughout this earth are persecuted. The number one religious persecuted group on earth are Christians. They are being thrown out of uh, India because they want Hindus, and the Hindus are killing our people. They are thrown out of Myanmar because the, the sweet, peaceful Buddhists are killing our people. They are thrown out or imprisoned in, in Cuba and China and North Korea because the atheists, communists, don't want anything to supplement, uh, supplant the state. They are beaten for the, and killed and butchered mostly in Uganda... Nigeria, Pakistan, Turkey, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Syria, Libya, Algeria, by Muslims who are taught they're allowed to butcher those who don't think like them. Christians aren't given that permission. Why? We have the truth. And the truth is part of why you can evaluate what you believe it has value is how does it work in the real world? What's better? The one that teaches you to turn the other cheek, to love your enemy, to pray for those that despitefully use you, or the one that says, go cut off the heads of your enemies? Which one makes for an equitable, beautiful world? I'm going to leave you with this, folks. Galatians 3.28 says this. There's no male or female. 
There's no Jew or Gentile, there's no bond or free. Well, that sounds like transgenderism, right? There's no male or female. Isn't that what we're taught? No, God made us unique, male and female. Matter of fact, we know it's true because the only way that anybody can ever come to tell you that there's no such thing as a male or female, the only people that can do that are people that were created by males and females. <laughs> the very people that say that doesn't exist only exist because of what they believe isn't true. There's practical, scientific, data-driven reality that we can observe by the way, Christians created modern science. I don't know if you know that or not. You are of the lineage of the greatest religion in human history. Changed the world forever. Because it's true. So, there is male and there's female. But God said when you come together, you're one. You need each other. You've got to come in communion. Because women have things men don't. But men have things women don't. When they come together, they try to work in harmony together. Does that mean you deny your, your male or female? No. You honor it. You respect it. You're grateful for it. But you do not identify by your male or female. You identify as a child of the living God. Suddenly, both sexes are equal. There's no Jew or Gentile. Oh, there's no ethnic, racial divide. Yes, I should honor my Jewish heritage. They are the most historically documented, persecuted people group in human history, the Jews. So they should never forget what they've gone through. And yet, there's only 14 million of them in the whole earth. And Israel, the size of New Jersey, they've got, they've got 100, I don't know, 50 Nobel Prize winners. They've created more technology, more ideas. Everywhere the Jews go, they seem to succeed. And they have always been despised. And why? Because God said they are my people. It's part of the proof. You want them to know God's real? Go see the Jews. Yeah, come on. They should be gone. Yeah. So honored. If you are black, we got a couple people here uh, from African heritage. Never forget that heritage. It's honorable. Yeah. It should be honored. Let me tell you, I did have great great grandparents that were slaves. Yeah. They told me the stories. They passed them on. They were evil what happened to me. Terrible. Never forget that. Never forget the honor of the, who they were and how you got here and what you've overcome from that. But you can't identify by that anymore. That's right. Or you'll never be free. Right. There's no Jew or Gentile. Be honorable of your ethnicity, but you don't identify as that. You identify as a child of the living God. And suddenly there is no racism because we don't have the right to consider anybody less because we're all made in the image of the living God. Amen. There's the answer in the Bible. And there is no bond or free in Christianity. There is no class system. There are richer people than other people. God says, you're not allowed to covet. You know what the truth of covetousness is? That I want other things, better things? No, that's not covetousness. It's okay to want good things, richer things, better things, better house, better job, better... That's okay. That's not coveting. That's desiring something. That's having a, 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 an imagination to go do the best you can with what you have. Covetousness means I want what you have. I want yours. That you're not allowed. Go get your own. Go get your own. Be inspired. Be inspired. Go find your way. If you are rich, God said, 
You're responsible to take care of those that don't have anything. If you're poor, you're not allowed to cover what they have. But to let God help you get through this difficult situation and watch him work, you're not allowed to identify as to where you are. You're responsible for where you are. You try to get overcome it. And if you happen to be given a lot, a lot will be expected. Yes. So accept where you are. Make the best of it. Be the most mature, moral, virtuous person you can be in those situations. But you don't identify by your structure of where your money or your job is. You identify as a child of the living God. I have learned in all things to be content. When you find that peace, people will look at you and say, I don't know what you are. I don't know what you believe. I don't know what you're doing or what you got going. But please tell me how to get that. That is what you're supposed to get here in church. Walk out there and change the world. manager of Gateway Hunger Relief Center and um, I've been about here about 14 years. This has been a blessing to me and my family to be able to serve. We need your support and the reason why we need your support is because our numbers are growing for one thing. The need is great here in Richmond. We're able to provide fresh produce and sometimes milk and just meats and everything like that and your donations really mean a lot to keep this program going. Uh, we also serve the seniors and we also make kiddo bags so every child gets a bag to take home that's got mac and cheese and drink and little snacks in there for them. And we just love being able to pass these things out and bless families. And if you love seeing, your, seeing families get blessed in Richmond, come donate to Gateway Hunger Relief Center. Shelby Jones. Hi, my name is JD Marker. Hi, my name is Jenny. I just love blessing the people and seeing all the smiling faces and smiling kids. I come, love coming here. It gives me something to do every day. I like to give the people God in their hearts and I like to spread the word of God around to everybody. It's been a blessing. I've been here for 14 years and I hope to do it for another 14. I don't know what I'd do without him really. I'd be home doing nothing. I just love being here and helping people. I like to give out food and help people. God bless everybody.